Welcome to the Renewing Your Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Katie Ruga, Christian wife and mama to three. On this podcast, you will hear encouragement to daily renew your minds and pursue biblical motherhood from myself and other Christian moms. I am so excited you are here. Welcome back, ladies. I'm so glad that you all are here today. I have another very special guest with me on the podcast today. Her name is Rachel Williams. She's been married for 19 years to her husband, Joey. They have eight kids, five through adoption, three through birth, one embryo adoption. Their kids' ages range from five to 29, and they have four grandkids, After being Midwesterners their whole lives, they relocated to Scottsdale, Arizona in 2020. Rachel, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Katie. I'm so excited for this conversation. From the moment I found you on Instagram, I just knew there was a poll and I could just tell (laughs) your love for the Lord shines so bright and just the bits and pieces of your testimony testimony that I know are just incredible. (laughs) Thank you. I love that. The, you, you think my love for the Lord shines so bright because honestly, yes. I feel like it's by the grace of Jesus only that my love for him shines bright because I feel like I am just constantly having to battle like the enemy and like the flesh. And I just, I want my love for him to shine so bright, but I feel like it only shines because of him because I feel like I'm just failing constantly. <laughs> if well, that amen, makes sense. Chris. Absolutely. That's how it should be. And that's what I love about you. You can tell, you know. <laughs> Um, and so Rachel and I today are going to be talking about staying the course. Um, Rachel's been through a lot in her life, and I really just hope and pray for our listeners that you um, get encouragement and some wisdom from Rachel on how to stay the course when life gets rocky. So Rachel, I'm just going to hand it over to you, and I'd love to just hear your testimony and some stories of how you stayed the course. All right. Um, so, okay. So I actually grew up in a really like easy breezy life, like Christian home. My parents were just wonderful, you know, married. All my grandparents, my grandparents were all married. All my aunts and uncles were married really and truly like kind of handed life on a silver platter. So when I kind of laugh when Katie's like, she's been through a lot because I have, but it didn't start out that way. Um, and I just was kind of like a little turd in middle school and just <laughs> didn't want anything to do with God or faith or rules. I just really was living like 100% in my flesh, like doing all the things, maybe not all the things, but a lot of the things you certainly would not want your middle school kids to be doing. And my parents saw that. And so they were praying a lot. And it, it was just like this coolest story because um, I was, well, I was really, really popular, popular with the girls, popular with the boys, like just popular, right? And which is the only and last time that ever happened in my life. (laughs) Because at that time I didn't know Jesus. And so I was just like doing all the fun things, like whatever. I was up for everything. And I was dragging all my friends into everything with me. Um, I'm still friends with some of them. They can attest to that. (laughs) But I, um, some of my friends, not the ones I'm still friends with, but kind of dumped me like out of nowhere, all because they wanted one girl to, to like date the guy that I had just been broken up with by. And so they all kind of just like moved on from me and I didn't know how to handle that. And I was like, I'm sorry, I thought this was like a lifetime thing, like my popularity, my coolness, right? I thought that was just like a gift forever. And I had to really face like, what is my life if I'm not 
just like super popular. And I know it's kind of sounds silly because it's all middle school drama, but it was a big deal for me. And my mom really had me press into some of my good friends that maybe weren't as popular as I, you know, so I maybe hadn't been drawn to them so much. And I ended up going to a camp that summer, a Young Life camp, well, Wild Life, which is middle school version of Young Life. And I met Jesus, I mean, I for the first time. Like I had been saved as a little girl and I remember it and it meant something. But then it was like there was no faith I was walking in. And I went when I was 14 to this camp. And because I had been kind of like knocked down a bunch of notches, I was just like really open. And I guess I had all these fresh wounds that I was like, somebody needs to make me feel better. And I met Jesus that summer and then we moved from Tennessee to Minnesota. And so I got to start over completely and decide who I wanted to be in Jesus and not based on a reputation or a past because I didn't have a history with any of these new people. And that was just like such a cool gift to me because it would have been really hard for me to kind of walk away from that reputation. Um, I think my flesh would have been so much more involved, kind of like, oh, but I like that parts parts of my old self, right? And like, I just moved to this new town and I was just like, I'm not that girl anymore. And nobody here knows otherwise. So I'm just going to be who I am in Christ. And I was 14 years old and like, I never, ever walked away from that faith because it was so real to me. And I think that kids who are saved at a young age and can like not walk away and it's real to them too. But for me, I needed a buy-in at like a season in my life and an age in my life where it was like sink or swim. Like I call, I, you know, I cling to Jesus or I kind of had nothing is how I felt. Um, and so, you know, then I, I chose wisely in my husband and I hadn't always chosen wisely in my dating adventures. And, um, and we, we got married young. I was 21 and he was 22. And we, um, you know, we just love Jesus. And I was like the most selfish person in the entire world. <laughs> So I really love Jesus, but I was really selfish. And he started having all these weird ideas like, oh, maybe we could do foster care one day. And I was like, uh, Vito, that sounds really hard. And I didn't want to do that. I just had like this perfect idea of my life, like four kids, you know, just like white picket fence. Like we all went to church and we all love Jesus. And like, honestly, hard didn't sound like something I would want to sign up for. And I was like, I, I was smart enough to know that doing foster care sounded really hard. And, um, but my parents had always taught us, you know, kids like just pray to be on the same page with your spouse. Don't pray for your will, pray for God's and that you get on the same page. And so I wisely started praying that we would get on the same page, fully expecting that God would bring my husband to my side. (laughs) And like, I was so stupid. I mean, I was young. I didn't know. And that's just God. He's got such a sense of humor. I'm sure he's like, oh my gosh, Rachel, you sweet, stupid thing. Like, no, obviously that's not how it worked. And he opened my heart and my um, eyes towards foster care and adoption. And as life would go, we are incredibly infertile, you know, 20 years of never using birth control. Well, I guess 19, however many we've been married. Cause that's when we started having sex. I often say 20 cause we're going on our 20, but we actually did wait till we were married. Um, we never, ever got pregnant on our own. We had to do in vitro fertilization to get pregnant. And, um, and so because we were infertile, it really, really opened our eyes. Like, okay, maybe we're not going to birth all these children. Maybe my four perfect children aren't going to come in just the right way. Like other happens for other people. And, Um, And God opened our hearts to a lot of different ways of what our family could look like. And we had a single mom and her two young kids lived with us for a good while. And they're still really involved in our lives and we're really involved in their lives. 
um, we ended up fostering 10 kids and then we ended up adopting four teenagers, which is crazy. Um, So if you think having teenagers is going to be crazy, you're right. It is. If you think adopting them sounds crazier, you're right. It is. Because I mean, I'm on round two now of having teenagers, and it is a lot of work. I'm like, oh, this is this is so much work, and they're wonderful. I love teenagers. Like seriously, they're the best. And boy, can they really be the worst. <laughs> and I remember that. I remember like being like, it all depended on my mood, you know, my um, hormones, my emotions, things like that. And so we brought in these four kids, like one at a time. We didn't adopt four all at once, but um, it was a total God thing how they kind of landed on our doorstep and how we ended up with each of them. And they came with all their baggage and they had a lot of baggage because people had done really, really hurtful things to them their entire lives. And so that came into our home when I was, we were birthing kids. We had adopted one from birth. Like we had, we had a very mixed family age-wise, but we were still doing the young motherhood thing. Like I was pregnant, nursing, like waking up at 6 a.m. with kids, having teenagers coming home at midnight to tell me about their evening. Like, I mean, it was, we had five teenagers spending random nights at our house and I'm all of a sudden feeding them, you know, and I'm making sure they have snacks. And like, my life was just like really turned upside down through that season. And there were so many times when I thought we will never survive this. <laughs> it was the things that we walked through with them. I mean, I can't even explain and I will not go into very many details just to like protect that that's their story. But in general, I will say we had the cops at our house regularly. We had to visit people in locked up situations regularly. We had detectives calling about situations that we needed to give statements for. I mean, we had theft, we had runaways, we had, you know, drug addiction, alcohol. We had so many things. And and in the middle of it, I'm parenting newborns, two-year-olds, five-year-olds, you know, seven-year-olds. Like it's it was really, really crazy. And um, in the middle of that season, I went through really, really, really bad postpartum depression okay. on top of it. So already you- my life felt like I could barely like manage. It was so much. And then I went through postpartum depression and that was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me, honestly, and, and my family, I would say, because I got so bad. Like I am just a really capable person and I got so bad. Like I, people didn't leave me alone. Like my mother was like paying attention to how long I've been in the bathroom. Like I was in a really, really bad place. And through that season, I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I laughed that my middle school drama felt like sink or swim, but it, it was real to me at that time. And then here I am living like a real life sink or swim. Like some of my kids weren't talking to me. Like some of them were in the psych ward. I mean, it was like, here I am, like, am I going to end up in the psych ward? Like, you know, my life is really falling apart. And it was through that experience that realized that like our first adopted son, I was really holding on to like I had this soul connection with him where um, like S-O-U-L where like I felt I could not be happy if he was not happy or if I couldn't save him, so to speak, then I couldn't have joy in my life. And it was like every part of my motherhood was all wrapped up in basically the success of this kid. And you heard some of the things we walked through, not necessarily with him, but like in general with the four, you know, we walked through so many things that I'm like, I mean, I had no business putting any of my contentment, my joy, my peace, like my success, like my self-worth in anybody else, let alone like a wounded kid, right? 
Yeah. And I mean, that is like the quickest way to, I think, fail in parenting is to bank your self-worth and your value and how well you're doing on the success of how well your kids are doing because they all have their own story they have to walk through in faith and that means they're going to have to go through hard things and we have to be okay with them. I mean, okay, I use air quotes, with them going through hard things because that's what they need to get to the feet of Jesus and I needed him to be okay so that I could be okay and that was a really, really, really bad place to be. And I really encourage anyone listening, like if you find yourself, maybe it was not to the extreme that mine was, probably not. But if you find yourself feeling like who you are as a mother is all tied up and wrapped up in how well your kids are doing, like you need to sever that, like ask God to sever it because he's got his own plans for you and he's got his own plans for your kids. And they're, they're not, yeah, they're interconnected because we're their mothers, but they're not interconnected in are worth being reliant on how well they're doing. And so my aunt said, I think you need to sever this soul tie. And I said, he's my son. I don't want to do that. And she goes, no, no, no. You're not severing your connection as his mom. You're not severing like who he is to you. You're severing, like you're saying, no, God has, I'm soul connected to God alone and not like sideways to this kid. And I did that. It was just, you know, a, a prayer, just like, okay, Lord, I need you to sever this. I need to trust you and trust you alone. And he he belongs to you and I surrender him to you. And I needed to get to like that rock bottom, which maybe doesn't sound like rock bottom, but for me, I remember being like, I, I have nowhere to go, but up, like I've already gone all the way to the bottom. I needed to get there so that I could recognize really and truly how every single part of motherhood and every single part of my life is me and God, just me and the Holy Spirit. And it is not about other people. It is not about our kids. It's not about our spouses. It's not about, I mean, really and truly, it is literally me and God. And Katie, it is you and God. And like, God's going to use us in our kids' lives, of course, and in people around us. Like, that's our calling is to be used, you know, to bring more people to God but none of it is our sole responsibility. Our responsibility is to obey him, to seek him, and then say, you know, yes, when he says, hey, say this, or saying, or, you know, be quiet when he says, don't say that. Listen to him. And it's his responsibility, like how people are going to succeed in life, how our kids are going to succeed. It's his responsibility to know what garbage are our kids going to need to walk through to get them to the foot of the cross. And as moms, like all we want to do is protect our kids, like spare them from the hard things, help them not to make the mistakes that we've made. But like if our kids never made any mistakes or walked through any hard things, like why would they need Jesus? Friend, I think you're hitting like a super, super important thing right here. Like this is so important, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. Oh, you're welcome. Um, because I think there are a lot of us moms, especially like the younger moms, us younger moms who haven't been through as many difficult seasons possibly with moms who have, you know, teenagers, preteens and and above, like, um, you know, my kids have been through some pretty traumatic things, but, um, they're still little, like I, we haven't been through the hard as far as like peer pressure goes and all these things Mm -hmm. are going to happen as they get older. And so I think what you're saying is so key of resting in God has asked you to do something. He's asked you to raise these children 
for him. But at the same time, you also have to know and recognize that they are they are gods and they right. are accountable to him. And so, like you said, we have to let these things happen. Right. We have to, it's better to surrender knowing mm-hmm. that God's got a good plan for their lives, even though it's going to be messy at times, it's going to be rough at times. He's going to use all of it for their good. And I think that's another thing, just really quick, like not putting our identity, mm-hmm. like you said, and how mm-hmm. they are, how they are responding or how they're acting. Mm-hmm. Like our identity is in Christ alone. And that's something right. that we can get really sucked up into as well, because I think we think, oh, my friends are looking at my kids and they're seeing how they're acting. They're seeing mm-hmm. what choices they're making. And they've got to be wondering, right. what is Rachel doing? What is right. Katie doing? Like, right. where are they? But friend, that is so encouraging. So, so encouraging for us moms. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, and honestly, like I need the reminder myself because like I said, I'm on round two of teenagers and I find myself like getting discouraged and despairing a little bit, not because they're making as bad of choices, like by no means, but they're just not being the kindest humans I know they can be. And they're not pressing into Jesus like I have shown them and taught them how. And they're just making their own selfish choices. And the truth is, is like, the more I get wrapped up in those choices, the less I'm focused on Jesus. And so yeah. I just keep needing – I keep reminding myself like when you're struggling with that kid and that kid's choices, just lift them up in prayer and tell them how amazing you know that they're capable of being and just trust them to Jesus. Oh. You know, And of course, we still have to parent and discipline like of course. Yeah. Yeah. But like you know, my mind space is, has been struggling lately with just this same exact thing. And I'm like, I've already been through this. <laughs> No fair. I shouldn't have to do this again. No, no, not the teenager part, just like the dealing with the mental space. But like the truth is, is it's every time we need to remind ourselves or be reminded of something God's already taught us. It's just us relying on him and not ourselves. Yeah. Amen. I love that. And, and just, I think that's incredible um, of you and your husband too, for doing this all again and for giving these kids a home, a home centered on Christ and where they're loved. I think that's you know, God calls us to that. He tells us to take care of those who are, um, mother who don't have a father and mother. And so I, I love that. And I'll let you continue on. So you adopted these four kids, they're teenagers now. Do you still have, do do you are all four at home or tell me? Yeah. So they're, they were teenagers. Now they're all adults. So that's where their four grandkids come in. Um, so my round two of teenagers is the ones I've had since birth. The three I adopted – or the three I birthed and then the one we adopted from birth were like on round two with them. Um, so my okay. older four, they're all out doing adult things. And like the truth is Katie is like I have prayed for years for their salvation. And other than one of them, like none of them – none of them has chosen to follow Jesus. And But they all have admired our faith and respected our faith and even shared our faith with their friends. And it's just interesting because I've spent 10 years just like praying and trusting and like, okay, Lord, in your timing, your timing. But like also I get a little discouraged, like, okay, maybe we should have been like more, you know, I mean, we had them go to church with us and we've always, always shared our faith with them. But in this last week, Two of my kids came to me and basically was like, I need to start reading the Bible. Like, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to be pressing forward in this. Or like, one was like, I haven't been baptized and I kind of think that's something I'm interested in. And then one of my other kids was like, 
we kind of want to start going to church. We really like the church you guys go to, but they don't live near us. And so they're like, we're kind of thinking that that might be something we need to start doing. And so it's not need to, but like want to start doing. And so it's interesting because we've spent 10 years basically watching them kind of make challenging, difficult decisions in life. Um, And now we're starting to just see, oh my gosh, like all of this time we've been sharing our faith, just really honestly pushing nothing on them, loving and supporting them regardless of their decisions. And they know like our faith is matters to us and they, they can see how God has worked in our lives. Like they could even probably do a podcast on ways that God has worked in our family, even though they might not have even said they believed, if that makes sense. And yeah. so it's just been very interesting because I'm just at this unique stage where like, you know, I we adopted these kids, but like none of them decide or three of them didn't decide to follow Jesus. And yet I'm seeing the fruits like of all the work that we've put in and all the modeling that we've done and all the prayer that we've put in, like it's coming to fruition and like it's same thing. It's God's responsibility. The timing is God's responsibility. And if we tried to force it any earlier, we honestly would have just pushed them away. And like they had many of them had been hurt by religion um, and people who claim to be religious. And so for them, it was like full circle, like they had to move as far away from religion as possible, I think, so that then they could could inch themselves back towards it. And like, I'm not someone who talks about religion. You know, for me, it's faith, it's Jesus. But for them, it's religion, right? It's like rules and church and has hurt them. And so Yeah. So anyways, our family, you know, just looks really unique. The four older ones, they all live, well, technically they all live out of the house. One lives with us at the moment, (laughs) but he hasn't lived with us in a long time. He's only crashing with us for one more week. He's been here a couple months. Um, And we're in Arizona now and one's in Oregon and two are in Wisconsin. And then the one that's living with us is here in Arizona. So, um, and then we have the four younger ones, five and a half to 14. Okay. And so, yeah, um, it's been interesting having our oldest one come and live at home again because he's got a great relationship with our 14 year old son and he's watching him and going, Bud, oh my gosh, like the way you're talking to mom or like mom knows what she's talking about. And it's funny because he's speaking from experience and he's like, I know you don't want to listen to mom and dad. I get it. Like I was there, but also trust me, if I had listened to them, so many things in my life would have gone differently. And it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's really comical, I guess, to watch um, how God is using the older ones to come in and speak into the younger ones' lives about the very things that, you know, they themselves did or didn't want to listen or whatever. Um, so, yeah, God has just really reminded me over and over and over surrender. Like, and actually, you had asked me about my book and our email. I wrote a book called Trust Redefined, um, and it's learning to surrender through the journey of unknowns. And so for me, I just learned like, I don't have peace in my life when I'm holding on to things. Like, the peace comes when I surrender it and let God decide, decide the timing, let God be in control. And when we're holding on to things, tightly, usually it's tightly for me. Uh, but even if we're just holding on to it loosely, it's like, how can God really be in control when we're still holding on? And that's where the surrender piece comes in. And and that's why like, it's been exciting hearing some of my older kids start asking about God, start asking about the Bible, start asking about faith, because I wanted to just beat faith into them 10 years ago. <laughs> I wanted to force them. It, You know, I wanted to force them because I'm like, this is the best way for you. But like I had to just hold even their salvation out with two open hands and just trust. Even when, I mean, I know a lot of people who've adopted teens being in 
you know, when you do, you end up meeting other people and a lot of their kids have chosen to follow Jesus and are going to Christian colleges and are doing Christian things. And like my kids are not. And it is easy to look at that and be like, well, what did they do right in their adoptions? But like we didn't do, you know what I mean? And like you were saying, but I'm, I have to remind myself that's where the surrender comes in and trust that God knows. He knows the timing. He knows the way. He knows the plan. Um, and I'm just along for the ride, right? Yeah. I love that. That's yes. Amen. And I love that you are seeing, like you said, the fruits of your labor with your older four and your oldest one coming back and mm-hmm. um, being an encouragement to your 14-year-old. How how neat that that is and how cool that is that you are able to witness that. Yeah. Um, and I hope and pray like, you know, that encouragement keeps you going and keeps your faith mm-hmm. strong because yeah. you're seeing the fruit come to light now. Um, so... Is that like how you, so as you went through all of these things, you know, as the, as you're raising your littles and then the four teens, like, is that pretty much how you stayed the course? It's just this constant, like when something would come, when a trial would come, would you just go through this cycle of like, okay, Lord, here's another trial. Mm -hmm. I surrender this to you. And I mean, is that, was that kind of your, um, how you (laughs) stayed the course through all of these different trials that came? Well, if there was an equation, it was first, I held on tightly. I told God what was the best thing. (laughs) He ignored me, (laughs) showed me he had a better way, and then I would surrender. Like, to be clear, that's pretty much how it has always gone. It's, It's, you know, all these years of being a Christian and a mom, like, it's getting quicker. The turnaround is getting quicker. But sometimes I don't think we even realize we're holding on to something. You know what I mean? It's not like so often we're not, I'm trying to think how to say this. It would be so – I mean, if we could just walk around with literal like open hands, you know, as far as holding all of our things out, then we would never have to surrender because we'd be constantly surrendering. But I think so often just naturally we end up pulling things in and holding them in or we don't even realize that we never let them go. And so, yeah, for staying the course with faith, for me, I know that, yes, surrender was a huge piece. And every time I surrendered, I felt God's peace. I felt contentment. I felt him – coming into a difficult situation and not making the situation better necessarily, but making the bearability of it better. It's so much more bearable when we have his peace. I mean, it's it's undeniable when we have God's peace how much better everything is, even when our circumstances don't change. And so for me, I know like the whole, how did I stay the course? It was, I would remind myself constantly, what would my life look like right now if I didn't turn to God, if I didn't have faith. And then I would think about how much worse I make everything when I take things into my hands for maybe even like five minutes or five days, (laughs) how I'm always making a mess of things when I myself am holding on to things. And then I'm like, that's what it would be like, but exponentially worse, right? If I never turned to God, I would just compound this holding on and this lack of surrender And I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. And that was like the fastest way for me to release was because I just know what a mess I make of things and I see how much better God makes them. Again, even when our circumstances don't change, right? Like we can make them worse by having bad attitudes, by having discontentment, you know, but God makes them better even when the actual situation doesn't necessarily change. And so for me, it was just reminding myself, 
I don't want to live a life where I don't have access to that peace. I don't have access to someone else who knows better than me. Like I never want to walk away from that, even though it feels sometimes like we know best. Um, that was always the fastest way for me to steer right back to God. It was like, oh, I don't actually want control. You know, I don't know. Your kids are maybe too young, but like if you've ever had a situation where your kids are like, I just want to be in control. I just want to be treated like an adult. And it's like, awesome. Do you want to have to act like an adult? Because they go hand in hand. And it's like, sure. Okay, great. Then you don't have access to any of the food in the house because you didn't pay for it. You know, you don't have any electricity or air conditioning because you didn't pay for it. So you're going to need a job if you're going to want to contribute to those things. And it's like the fastest way for kids to put themselves back in like their place is like, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, okay. So I can't just have all the freedoms without putting in the work. And that's like, for me, it's like the fastest way to remember why I need God, why I need Jesus is because I see what a mess I make of things. It's not like an exact comparison, but it's just what came to my mind when I'm like, it's just a real quick way for me to steer myself right back onto his course (laughs) when I feel myself veering off. I I absolutely love that. And I love your authenticity about that. And you know, we need to be real about this. We need to recognize that when we are hanging on to something or when we're trying to be in control, it is going to be a disaster. Right. And there's so much more, like like you said, there's so much more anxiety and worry yep. and mm-hmm. discontentment, all these things that come when we think, oh, like we got this, I got this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think another thing that I feel like I heard you say um, was Another thing that maybe helps helped you stay the course was it looking back on his faithfulness, like seeing how he oh, yeah. answered prayers in the previous mm-hmm. trial. And so you knew that he would get you through this one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like necessary in faith, I think, is to, you know, be looking back on God's faithfulness. How can we know and trust that he's going to be faithful in the future? Besides the fact that the Bible says it is in our own lives, looking at our own experiences and being like, he is always come through. Usually in my life, it never looks like I think it's going to look, but it always feels so much better than I even know that it could, if that makes sense. Yes, and then like for me too, holding on to some future hopes was huge for me. So like one of our kids you know, he'd been hurt by mom after mom after mom, foster moms, adopted moms, birth moms, you know, people who were supposed to take care of him. Less dads, moms was the issue. And so all of his hate for his entire life and all the people who'd hurt him, it would spew out at me when, and still honestly sometimes does. Um, and it was really easy to think he is never going to trust me. He is never going to just be able to be healthy and heal and whole because of all this hate and all this anger. And I had to hold on to the hope that like one day he will, because that's the hope we have in Jesus. And like I said, he wasn't choosing Jesus. So like he wasn't even trying to seek that healing. He wasn't even trying. He was just letting his entire flesh rule. And so it was like, I told my husband one day, I said, I'm just hoping by the time he's 30, I said, I'm just hoping that he is quick to say he's sorry. And, you know, I'm sorry, mom. I love you. Thanks for always forgiving me. And my husband was like, ooh, that's a tall order. He was like 18 at the time. He's like, that's a tall order. (laughs) I don't want you to be disappointed. I was like, listen, you can't take this from me. I need this. I need this hope that there is going to be a day, not because I need the apology, but because that'll show where his heart has changed and grown, right? And I mean, he's 27 and he's already that person where he's like, mom, I'm so sorry. Thank you for always forgiving me. You know, like, and it's like, I needed to have hope. And like with our kids, when they're walking through hard seasons, 
we need to have hope for who we know they can be again or who you know for who we've taught them that they can be and they've maybe just left for a moment like me in middle school i walked away from who my parents taught me to be and i came back right and it's like it's our job to have that hope because god has shown us so many times how faithful he has been and can be and will be that we need to have that hope with our kids and for our kids and for them to know like we see the good in you even if you're covering it with some cruddy decisions right now you know what i mean oh rachel you have me in tears over here <laughs> amen i i just love how you keep speaking about this speaking good into our children like looking at them and saying we know that you are good. We know that you are kind, that you are loving. Like we know these things about you. And like, it's just, you don't hear that a lot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's easier to complain. It's easier to say like, why do you act like this? Why do you do this? Like, Mm -hmm. why are you say those things too? (laughs) Full disclosure. And I hate it when I say it, I'm like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Exactly. You have conviction on that. And you know that you would rather speak life into them and trust and hope that they are going to be the person that you know that Christ has created them to be. And I just love that. I love that. It's it's so powerful and it's impactful. Like we need people. I mean, I need people to speak encouragement into me. I need God uses people to build me up, to encourage me. Like we that's the body of Christ. And so we need to be giving that to our kids as well. And like I have one kid right now. I'm really, really doing a bad job at it. I know it and I can sense it in him. Like he feels like I don't believe in the good in him. And even though when I do say it, I mean, I still say it, I feel like he doesn't buy it. He doesn't believe it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, like you need to fix me. If he doesn't think I believe the words I'm saying, then maybe I need more conviction from you in these words. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just motherhood is a trip. Like, it is so hard. It is so, so hard. And I'm like, we're always getting something wrong, but there's so many things we can be getting right if we're just keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. He will correct our paths. He will correct our paths. We have to be focusing on him and not the problems and not the children's problems and not their attitudes. Like we need to be focusing on him so that he can show us where we, our kids need us to do better. You know what I mean? Oh, I just love that so much. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brian, you are so (laughs) encouraging. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your testimony, bits and pieces of it. And just, just really giving us like um, at least three, if not four, um, important steps on how to stay the course mm. when things get rocky or when trials come. And I'll write those all out too in the show notes more specifically, but I just, that was really helpful to mm. me. So thank Good. you so much. I appreciate it so well, can much. We, can I tell your listeners that before we hit record, I was like, can you just pray for me? I don't even know how encouraging I can be. I've had such a hard couple weeks. <laughs> So, so if, and I said it, if there's any good that comes out of me, it'll be Jesus because truly it has been a rough couple of weeks in parenting for me. And I feel like it's been a long time since I could say a couple of rough weeks. Like that's a long time in my parenting lately. And so the fact that I came into this, like, I really feel like any encouragement truly is from the Holy Spirit because I didn't really have it. I was like, I don't have anything good to say. So God, you got to speak through me. So thank you for encouraging me in that way. 
you are such an encouragement. I love, again, just your authenticity and um, your practical ways of how to stay the course in our faith and just, just warms my heart so much. Um, <laughs> let's, let's finish in prayer and I'm going to pray for you too, Rachel. And thank um, you and your parenthood too. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for our listeners. Um, we just pray that their ears would be open, their hearts would be open, Lord, to um, who you are in your word. And thank you, Lord, so much for the encouragement that Rachel um, just gave all of us mamas on how to stay the course when things get rocky, Lord, which we know we have all experienced and will continue to experience in this world. Lord, we pray that we would take our hands off and that we would just continue to trust you and seek you in all things, Lord, that we would just know that you work all things out for good and that we can trust you with each one of our children's lives. Um, help us to keep our eyes on you. Please strengthen us, strengthen Rachel, strengthen all the mamas listening, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, strengthen us, Lord to do what you're asking us to do in our parenthood, to love them how you're asking us to love them, to train them how you're asking us to train them, Lord. Just strengthen our hearts, our minds, Lord, so that we are in tune with you so we can do this job well for your glory, Lord. We thank you for our children, Lord. They are such a blessing. I pray for salvation over Rachel's children, and all the mamas listening, their children too, Lord. I just pray for salvation over them all, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on, friend. I have so enjoyed it. Thank you for um, having me. Same. To my listeners, you can find Rachel on Instagram, and she has her link tree on Instagram. I will put all of this in the show notes. She's on YouTube. She has a podcast. She wrote a book, like she said. Um, titled Trust Redefined. You can get an audiobook or you can buy it on Amazon, correct? Yeah. And there's an ebook too. Perfect. Okay. Um, and I will link everything to Rachel um, in the show notes so y'all can connect with her and find her because you're going to want to. She does <laughs> one minute clips on her Instagram um, over scripture and it is so encouraging. So I really, really strongly encourage all of my listeners to go find her and um, connect with her. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Thanks, girl. Bye.